all you trademark folks. Welcome to episode two of the Dish on Trademarks. I'm your host, Jamie, and I am the owner and CEO of Trademark Depot. So I know that episode one, we touched on brand protection and what it was. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope I wasn't too boring. I hope I didn't say um too many times because man, when you listen to uh, your recorded voice, A, your voice is just, it makes you cringe and B, you realize how many times you say a specific word. And in my case, it's the word um. So I am going to apologize in advance for saying um 843 times. But if you can bear with me, hopefully I will be able to uh, get a little more involved in what brand protection is. Um, I think we may have skipped um, really how to acquire brand protection. So in the first episode, we talked about really how important it was uh, and, and all of the benefits that brand protection gives you. But we didn't quite talk about how to get brand protection. Now, brand protection is essentially acquired through the filing of and registration of a trademark application. So a trademark is, um, you know, I could give you the legal term, but none of you probably care about the legal term. Essentially, what it is, is it is protection for anything that you use, whether that thing is a name, a slogan, a logo, uh, a tagline, a design, um, a color, a smell, a sound, the list goes on and on. So anything that you use to sell your product or provide your service. Now, a trademark, again, can be a multitude of things. It can be um, a combination of words and designs. For example, Starbucks. Starbucks has, you know, their their word mark, which is Starbucks, and then they have their design mark, which is um, the mermaid logo. Now, these uh, components of, of these brands are protected with a trademark registration. A trademark is an indicator of source. It's as simple as that. A trademark is going to let you know where your goods are coming from or who is providing your service. Uh, if we look at real world examples, um, Apple is, you know, probably arguably one of the most famous brands on the market today. You know that when you buy an Apple product, uh, what you are getting. So you are getting um, a computer that is very, very difficult to, um, to hack into. You're getting, um, a computer that very rarely gets viruses. Um, you are getting a phone that, you know, does everything short of wiping your bum. Um, you absolutely know what kind of product you are getting when you buy Apple. So a trademark is essentially a recognizable word, design, symbol, combination thereof that identifies and distinguishes your goods and or services from those of your competitors. Now, 
A trademark is essential because it allows you to build reputation in your brand. It allows you to set yourself apart from your competitors. It allows you to advertise and market your brand knowing full well that you have protected your brand. So when you look at competitors that sell the exact same goods, Coke and Pepsi, for example, here, the products are identical. I mean, they're, they're, they sell soda. They, you know, they, okay, they've moved into energy drinks, et cetera, but their goods are primarily soda, soft drink. Now, what sets them apart? So obviously, you know, they're, they taste a little bit differently. Um, but what if you had Coke and Pepsi right next to each other without a brand or without a name, I should say, you would not know what these products taste like. You would not know where these products come from. You would essentially have to buy one of each, taste them and decide which one you liked better. But what about the next time you go back to the store and you, there's no brand, there's no name, there's no nothing. How do you choose? So I think you kind of get where I'm going with this, but Coke and Pepsi differentiate their goods. Okay. A little bit by their taste, but short of, of going to the store and buying these and tasting them, you wouldn't know the difference between the two because they are the same color um, and essentially are the same product. You differentiate these products by their needs, by their brand, by their trademarks. I think that's probably the easiest way to explain why a trademark is so important and why a brand is so important. Because let's not just talk about, you know, not protecting your brand and having a third party go and soup it up. But let's talk about why your clients are buying your brands. Why? Why do you buy Coke instead of Pepsi or, you know, uh, um, a BMW instead of uh, a Civic? Um, why do you, you know, shop for Lululemon leggings or not shop for Lululemon leggings? I mean, Lululemon is synonymous for being super durable, super comfortable, you know, sweat wicking. Um, but they also are extremely expensive. So in a consumer's mind, a brand like Lululemon is going to either push them towards it or against it, uh, towards it because of the quality of their of their clothing or against it because of the cost of their clothing. Um, but immediately, these brands have done their job in building the reputation in their brand. Now, whether that reputation is good or bad is obviously um, in the mind of the consumer. You know, Lululemon isn't a great brand for, you know, people who can't afford to spend $120 on a pair of leggings. However, in the minds of consumers that, you know, can afford to spend $120 on a pair of leggings, they are arguably some of the best leggings on the market for various activities. So, that's basically uh, what a trademark does. A trademark allows your consumers, so your target market, your clients, to know exactly what they're getting um, and you know whether or not they want to purchase that particular brand. Now, 
how many different kinds of trademarks are there? There's, there's quite a few. Um, and I'm not going to get into all of the legal spiel because that's not what, um, that's not what this podcast is for. This podcast is really just to deliver information in, um, as plain English as we possibly can. And so I'm just going to go over a few trademarks, um, what they are. And I'm going to do an additional series, um, about what kind of trademark is the best kind of trademark, but we'll, we'll leave that for, for the next episode. So one of the most popular marks and probably most filed marks is what is called a word mark. A word mark is essentially that it is a word. It is a trademark application that is filed without any kind of um, stylization or font or color or placement. And arguably a word mark offers the broadest scope of protection because you can file a word mark and you can use it in any color, style, placement, font that you want with still maintaining your, your rights to that word. Now, Again, this is probably the strongest trademark to have because of the fact that you have the freedom to use it um, in many different ways, depending on what kind of business you're running. You know, if you want to um, refresh your mark, um, you are absolutely able to do that without having to file a new trademark application. Um, so word marks are extremely popular and, um, you know, the most popular type of mark. Now. That's not to say that that's the mark that you should be filing. Um, sometimes filing for a word mark isn't possible. And um, I'll do another episode on that um, again when we discuss, you know, what uh, what kind of marks are the strongest marks, etc. Um, so after the word mark is a design mark. A design mark, um, if you listened to my first episode, uh, is anything that has a design component. So for example, the Starbucks mermaid is a design mark. Now they have obviously filed both for their word mark Starbucks as well as their design mark, which is the mermaid. Um, and they've done an amazing job at marketing and advertising and, and their products are, are delicious. Um, but when you see the mermaid design mark, you absolutely know that it's Starbucks. You don't have to see the word Starbucks to know that that mermaid design belongs to Starbucks. And that is, that's what they've done with their design mark. So the third kind of mark is what's called a combination mark. So a combination mark, again, sometimes um, whether or not you file a combination mark could, you know, is, is largely dependent on what kind of search results um, are revealed when an in-depth search is done at the very beginning of the trademarking process. Um, sometimes, you know, brands have no choice but to file a combination mark because their mark may be, you know, somewhat descriptive um, or they're, you know, a, a term that they're using in their mark is widely saturated in the market. Now, a combination mark is a mark that combines both a word and a design. So, for example, um, if uh, Starbucks had filed their Starbucks 
word mark along with their design mark, then that would be a combination mark. And I'm pretty sure they do have some combination marks. I'd have to go in the register and check. But um, the fact that they have their word filed separately from their design, as well as probably a couple of combination marks, this really gives them the freedom to use their brand the way they want to. So again, rewinding a little bit, when you file a word mark, Yes, you have the freedom of using it in any stylization, placement, font, color. Um, and the design is is basically uh, a standalone trademark as well. When you file a combination mark, it has to be used the way that it's filed. So if you're entering the market and you have a combination mark, you've got a, a trademark that, you know, has words and designs, and you decide to file those together. Well, you are going to have to use those two elements together all the time. You won't be able to separate those elements and still retain your rights. If you want to use elements separately of each other, they will have to be filed separately. So going back to, I think you can tell that Lululemon is probably one of my favorite brands, but going back to Lululemon, they have a word mark, which is Lululemon, and then they have their design mark, which some say is an inverted U. Others say it's, you know, um, uh, the portrait of a woman's hair. Um, either way, they have filed those elements separately because if you are a Lululemon shopper, you will know that they use their design, um, their design mark on their zippers, um, on their leggings. Again, you don't have to see the word Lululemon when you see that design because you know that that is a Lululemon product. Now, the next kind of mark is a slogan. So some of the most famous slogans. Yeah, I wish this was kind of like an interview so I could ask if anyone knew about famous slogans, but one of the most famous slogans is just do it. I don't have to even tell you who that is because just do it is probably arguably one of the most famous slogans uh, in the marketplace today. Um, you know, there are uh, a couple of other slogans that are, that are wildly popular. Um, but if a slogan is, something that you want your consumers to um, identify your brand with, then absolutely you should file your slogan. Um, you know, McDonald's, mm, loving it uh, is another famous slogan. I, I think you see where I'm going with this. If you have a slogan um, that you use in connection with your products or your services, then it it absolutely deserves its own protection. Uh, some less common marks, but still trademarks all the same, are sound marks. Um, sound marks are, um, again, they're not super common, and you're going to probably find some of the bigger um, entertainment companies filing sound marks. For example, the MGM Lion Roar, that is a protected sound mark. So if any other companies in the entertainment space wanted to use that lion roar, um, I'm sure MGM would, would go after them swiftly, um, and would probably, you know, 
be a little bit expensive for the infringer. So um, that's an example of a sound mark. So again, these are very, very specific marks and they are um, filed in connection with either services or goods and they um, protect a very specific color in connection with a product or a service. Um, Real world examples of color marks, Tiffany blue. You don't have to know, you don't even have to see the name on the box when you're handed a Tiffany blue box. You know exactly what the brand is, you know where it comes from. And that's because they have protected um, their color, Tiffany blue, in connection with the products that they sell. Um, An example of a company that protected color with services is UPS. UPS protected the color brown with courier services. So any other courier service that tries to use the color brown in connection with courier services um, would likely be um, quickly stopped by UPS. Another type of trademark um, that is not so commonly filed, but um, is still an extremely uh, important trademark is mode of packaging. So a mode of packaging trademark essentially protects the way um, that you package an item or um, more likely to protect um, the shape of um, a packaging or an item itself. Now, mode of packaging um, is not a commonly filed trademark and um, is really reserved to a very distinctive um, mode of packaging. So um, real world example, Coca-Cola's bottle with the bumps on the bottom. Um, they protected this mode of packaging um, because they were, I believe, I guess I'll have to do some some looking it up on that, but I believe they were the first to use a bottle with this bumpy bottom um, so that it fits better on a fridge shelf. I'm not sure the reason why they did it, but um, that is an example of mode of packaging. Another less common trademark um, is, believe it or not, taste. So you can protect the taste of your product. Again, it's not a simple trademark, uh, but it is definitely one worth looking into if your product has a very specific and distinctive taste. Similarly to taste, you can also trademark, in theory, smell. Now, while there are definitely challenges to filing for taste trademarks, smell trademarks, which are considered non-traditional trademarks, um, actually, I'm not sure if there is a successful trademark registration for taste or smell in Canada to date. Um, these new uh, non-traditional trademarks were recently introduced in 2019. Um, but in theory, you can, if your taste or smell has acquired um, secondary meaning in the marketplace, then they are absolutely um, able to be protected. The challenge there is that acquiring secondary meaning in a trademark um, is extremely difficult and um, has yet to be done um, for each of taste and smell or scent marks.
So in summary, uh, we've discussed the types of marks that, um, that are eligible for, for registration. Um, they obviously, um, you know, two, two, I would say three of them are the most popular, um, and the easiest to attain. Um, but again, it is interesting to know that, um, there are these non-traditional trademarks, um, that, that are also available to your brand, um, while not easily attainable, um, it is entirely possible with a lot of hard work and secondary meaning acquired. Uh, I think that's probably it for this episode. Uh, I'm not sure if I hit my, my 20 minute mark. Um, but if I didn't, um, it's just really because there's no other information to give you at this point. Um, I think the next really important topic is going to be, you know, choosing your brand, choosing a great mark. I think um, that episode is is definitely going to be worth um, the listen. So for now, I am going to um, sign off and I'm going to ask you to, you know, please be kind. Um, we never know what other people are going through. So for now your friendly neighborhood trademark agent signing off.